0: Welcome to The Kindness Project, the podcast designed to share stories of kindness and share how kindness can make positive change in our world, one small act.
1: In this week's episode of The Kindness Project, we talk about Ninja, YouTube, and we have part two of our interview with Jonathan Jenkins from the London's Air Ambulance.
0: Welcome to The Kindness Project. I am one of your uh, humble hosts, greatest dames. I am joined by Charlotte and Russ. And this is take three of this current episode of The Kindness Project. Number Take one, we got about ten minutes in, and then somebody started streaming in the back garden, which which was a bit of a distraction. Take two, two minutes in, the washing machine went off.
1: Not even two minutes. It was like 30 seconds. I know. And am we I, couldn't hear it because you, you got frustrated
0: with it. And I am literally just waiting for the next noise. I'm I'm literally on Tendo about what that next noise might be. Because um let's revisit a conversation we started in tape one and we'll re um
2: let's revisit re- a guest
0: quickly first. Uh oh, on,
2: eh? Uh, it's the lady Martha Lawton. One, yeah, Martha Lowen has a studio and
0: I think we should get one. <laughs> we need one. We need a st- We need to do this we in don't. a proper studio, can't we? we? Don't. O- o-
1: Ollie had a studio when I went and visited, visited him. All right. Everybody's nice got big. a studio but us. No, everybody's
2: been to their studios. I'm gonna
0: <laughs> well, I've been to Ollie's studio. I've recorded in Ollie's studio yeah. and Martha's studio. Um, my studio is, I mean, I've, we've got the <laughs> office, haven't we? We could potentially use the office.
2: I've been a bit noisier than where you are now, though.
0: Yeah, Especially I don't know, for the but <laughs> yeah. Well, we don't stream in the office, right? Because we normally stream, stream in the garden. Are you using it? Are you using your streamer in your office? And if so, why? No.
2: But the streamer makes a noise in the garden. You're more likely to hear it in the office than you are in the. Oh
0: no! Oh, you're think... talking about the home office, aren't you? I was talking yeah. about the office, office. Oh I'm no! the streamer is. in the
2: office, office.
0: No, no, the office office is fine, but the home office is a really bit yeah. <laughs> I've got too so many offices, clearly. And, and thanks, Russ, because volunteering to pay for this studio was <laughs> really generous of you. There's no point, Russ.
1: We've only got a little bit left. No, I mean, we want
0: to carry on podcasting in some description, Russ, won't we? So, no. I mean, no. the fact that you are going to build me an office, a, a podcast studio, is amazing, is it? It is. I'd
2: be surprised <laughs> if it ever happened. That's how oh, amazing they baby. Well, actually,
1: you... speaking of, uh, I've taken the leaf out, a leaf out of Russell's book and gone on a couple of YouTube rabbit holes recently. Go on. Oh. Another you YouTube rabbit hole. I was watching a video about um home recording studios. Yeah, I'm saying them. Yeah. Yeah,
2: I'm saying them. <laughs> And you, like, Amazing. soundproof
1: the walls with
0: the padding. Yeah, you know, not be in your you cupboard. Some, I mean, yeah. I, know, I know somebody who uses egg boxes, and I
2: don't That's know why correct. egg boxes yep. are so to effective. To why
0: disperse, are they
2: so effective? To disperse the noise. Because they've got holes in them, the noise sits in the holes. Yeah. Right,
1: okay, sure And the shape of them as well, just should yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, whenever you see soundproofing, it's always in little triangles like the egg
2: but, box. Talking of audio... Uh, I've had an amazing point on Amazon. Go sure. so, so I'm a fan of Apple products. Is it a ninja product? No, no. Oh. Although I brought two new ninja products. <laughs> so, what have you so, brought now? Hold on, I'll tell you about them in a minute. <laughs> Kenny was flicking through Amazon for some ninja books for me ninja products <laughs> and come across Echo Buds. Right. Now I'm a I'm a fan of Apple products, and I don't deny it. They're very expensive, but I like them. Nearly three hundred pounds I paid for my AirPods. I got these Echo Buds for fifty quid, and they're much better sound quality than the AirPods.
0: Are they earphones?
2: So, yeah, they're they're in in earbuds.
0: Earbuds. See, because of my um, because of my. Ear issues. shoes. I don't use earbuds. I use the aftershocks. No, you. I could not get on with them. I've tried but, them, but they yeah, are.
1: Your words.
0: No, they're amazing. They're great for running. I was at my bike earlier on today, just wearing where, wherever wherever I'm. I and, want. i do not worry about. But you know what was always um, frustrating about earbuds, because particularly if I'm because I wear them while well, I'm if,
2: exercising. If you're riding a bike on there, the vibrations shall fall out.
0: Yeah, is that it's popping yeah. out. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like that element of and if you're on a bike, you don't want to sort of be zooming along, lose yeah. an earbud, and then like find that you it's miles away and you can't find it.
2: You look round, there it is, and all of a sudden, next thing you know, you're over a ballad. That's one of my favourite pair <laughs> of
1: pants. the ever bottom had. of a
2: ballard.
0: Right, I fell off my bike. I hit a bollard and fell off my bike once, Raz, and so you won't let me <laughs> you've never let it lie, will you? I, my
1: my favourite pair of headphones I had was bright blue. Right. Um
0: bright
1: blue. sports headphones. Right. Um and they had the little wire that attached them, they were Bluetooth. Oh fabulous.
2: I love these, yeah. I love
1: these things. I think mum's most like 15 quid. Um I I, I think most headphones are Bluetooth now,
0: aren't they? They're just like plug in headphones.
2: Yeah, you don't no, it. Oh, no. Modern phones, I don't know what sort of phone you've got, but modern phones, like my Apple phone, don't even have a port to plug into.
0: I can plug in mine in my back, but my one's a Ninja phone. You got one of them, Russ? No. You got a ninja know, on, let
2: me tell you. Let me tell you about my new ninja products while we're here. Go on, then. I got a ninja kettle. Oh. It boils. What is it? what is it right? Go on, it boils. Oh, it boils to the temperature you say it huh? So it does it does coffee tea, specialty tea, herbal
0: tea. Hold on, hold on. Can I just share something with you, Russ? My kettle does coffee. My kettle does tea. It does speciality tea. It does herbal tea. What where, where else can your ninja bun do? Right, it's optimised to boil at that temperature. No. It's no, marketed it's... to you so that you'd buy it and pay more no, for no, 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 it
1: than no, 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 a normal
0: no, kettle no. would do. No, no, no. no. <laughs> oh, it. It's it. optimised to uh, that temperature.
2: No. Do you drink,
1: do you drink special tea? <laughs> special tea? No. <laughs> right. <laughs>
0: Okay, what, so, what drink so do you have that you need it optimised? Coffee. Oh, no, coffee.
2: no, no. Because no. I put a dash of cold in my coffee, so I think right. it's not. I can sit Oh,
0: Now, I've got this amazing thing called a cold water tap that allows me to do that. I don't know if uh, you've I've, got one in your I've, house. I've got this amazing
1: thing called Just Wait Five Minutes. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, just wait for it to cool down, exactly. I can't I cool kettle
0: for, to wait for it. Oh, God. Right, right okay. So, a, a point. End. Right, okay, cost a living. How much was your kettle, and I'll compare it to how much mine was. <laughs> cost a living. Go on, cost a living. How much did you spend on a kettle where you can choose the temperature?
2: I got a knockdown price. It was 79.
0: You're, I'll tell you what, the only person who's been knocked down, mate, spending 79 quid on a kettle we you. My
2: Christ, on a bike! And then, yeah. then I got a hand mixer. Oh, God! <laughs> Also, Ninja. Is that to mix your tea?
0: <laughs> you no, no, no. no. Is that it to is... take the tea
3: bag out? Glenda, radio carbon dating is a method for determining the age of an object containing
0: all... <laughs> Sorry, why am I reading about carbon dating?
1: It's interesting, but it's maybe not relevant. <laughs> who, why, who, who's talking about
2: carbon dating? so I did it one not a podcast. All right, okay, too. So,
1: Russ, don't say the name, you're going to
2: yeah your That's not yeah. what happened. I've, Jerry, I've, what's the average price for a kettle? It doesn't like that. I haven't got it set like that. right. Oh, I've, I've got the Apple Touch bar on my computer. Let
0: yeah, me ask Google because I've got that on my phone, right? Okay. Hey, Google, what's the average price for a kettle in the UK? 79 dollars Kettle's, Kettles in the UK, twenty nine ninety nine. <laughs> All right. Morphe Richards, other kettles are available. Nineteen ninety-nine. Thirty-five quid. On the on the first page, there's not a kettle over thirty-five quid.
1: Okay, that's I Googled it. Go on. Um twenty-five uh seventy-five fifty eight cordless
0: Ooh. kettle. Is
2: your one called Israel's? No, no. Uh, cold. Got cold. Sorry, it's cold.
0: Dish,
1: yeah. It's got a cold, cold. Old school.
0: All the oh, way no, down to gone. the other end.
1: Uh, eight ninety-eight.
0: Now, now I'm, now, I'm sorry. I wouldn't spend 79 quid on a kettle. I'd worry about spending just £8 on a kettle. No, that
1: sounds right. I must rate that. Well, <laughs> we've got the two extremes here. We've
0: got kettle... Rupert Murdoch who's like got <laughs> plenty of money for kettles and then <laughs> kettle Ebonese Scrooge. <laughs> I mean, literally,
2: with one kettle extreme to the other. Russell's careful with his money, so he's going to in your ninja uh,
0: well, is that I mean the the reality is if it makes... I am not convinced that by spending that money on kettles would make me happy, so I don't. It
2: don't make I've me like, o- it don't make me overly happy, it just, I just like. Consistency of temperature of your about instant ninja, coffee. Ninja copping machines. What? Ninja, ninja Sorry, cupping.
0: sorry. You've got a kettle that can boil the water to a, whatever consistency you want. Yeah. Right, so Charlotte is now putting notes <laughs> in the podcast notes.
1: That's the A99 about about
0: kettle. cheap co- kettles. No.
1: Oh, <laughs> is that like the expensive one? That's the spig one, £139 for a kettle. No, 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 no. It
0: earned my art just to see you're, it. No, <laughs> you're only paying for the brand. So we've got the student version, and then oh, we've got the oh, Rockefeller no, version. Don't I, don't, I didn't I didn't
1: pay for my kettle. It was here when I arrived. I didn't...
0: But you'd pay seven ninety-nine for a kettle. Yeah. And not worry, it'd blow up, blow up after you used it
1: twice. Nope. Like, oh, cool. You just have cold. to you just have to descale it two times a year
0: and then you'd be fine. You do want to automatically descale for eighty quid roster. Right? I haven't got
2: to worry about that, have you? No, but there's special pods you can
0: get for it, uh... Of course they are. Ninja don't miss a trick, do they? What they made of gold and cost forty-seven pounds
2: each. I don't know why
0: that's you're bad about being Ninja. The amount we talk about, and we could have advertising. i, if I we tell know. you what, I'd like to, the amount we talk about, money, but <laughs> the, the reality is they are a premium brand, aren't they? Are they a premium brand? Yeah. Yeah.
2: But I like premium, so. You
0: yeah, know, particularly when he's good. And look,
2: you're allowed,
0: right? So you don't travel that much, bless your dear. So you're allowed. You're allowed to spend I, your money on what you enjoy. I do enjoy them. Uh, good stuff. I don't know. Let's talk.
1: Kindness news. Uh,
0: right, Brian, you can do kindness news first.
1: Right, so, right, righto. right, right,
0: We've got kindness news. Worcester edition.
1: A family who lost everything in a house fire is overwhelmed by kindness after the community rallied together to help pretty family home on Burroughs Street went up in flames, destroying everything they own, apart from the pyjamas they fled their home in. People across Droitwich and beyond have been quick to react with donations of boys' clothing and money pouring in for Tracy and John and their six-year-old son, Seth. A just giving page set up by Kylie Kelly who has known the family for 20 years has already reached a staggering 8,000 in just three days. The family said they were blown away by the kindness and support shown by everyone while helping to get their life back on track. On Friday, our beautiful home became an ugly duckling. Mrs. Pretty said, we shall lovingly restore you to your former glory. We would like to thank each and every one of you who have donated to this fund. We are truly overwhelmed. Your support and kindness has blown us away. Police, ambulance and fire service crews were called to the scene around 3 p.m on Friday. Upon arrival West Midlands Ambulance Service found a man in his 40s with serious injuries who was taken to Queen's Hospital Queen Elizabeth Hospital Medics also assessed Seth for minor injuries before discharging him at the scene. Mrs. Kelly who owns Gorgeous Hair Design said that JT is out of the hospital however he is expected to have many follow-up appointments for his burns and a possible broken or snapped ligament in his leg. Uh, Miss Kelly added that they are no longer looking for donations after being inundated with offers, but money to pay for new items and to help the family rebuild their lives it is still welcome.
0: I absolutely love that, and, and I mean, fire uh, is absolutely devastating. I don't know if we spoke about time, but uh, um, during the summer of last year, I think it was, oh, there Christ, was yeah. there was a huge fire. Um, do you remember it, Charlotte?
1: There was a series yeah. of huge fires, but only one yeah. of them really impacted. Uh, but yeah,
0: just... burned down. Not not actually massively close, but it was over at Rainham Village.
2: Yeah,
0: um, burnt down nine homes, one of which one of Sophie's schoolmates lived in, and it was really, really, it was a devastating thing to happen. Mm. Um, so yeah and and there's the same thing happened i think we all we all get very contemplative and grateful when that happens because you know it is it is at like everything in your house is just completely gutted, isn't it so same thing happened you know i think like in times of crisis people tend to rally around like that and i love stories like that it's amazing on that note let's share um let's share part two of our interview with jonathan jonathan jenkins from london air ambulance they do amazing stuff that um we continued sharing this part of the interview but i yeah. didn't know when the air ambulance actually when, when i didn't know when the decision was made for the air ambulance yeah. to be called out versus a conventional ambulance. Or, so how does that work? What is the process well, of being called out
3: work? It's, um, it's 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 the hardest job in the service, I think, is actually activating us in terms of the most difficult decision to make. And I think most of the clinical teams would um, agree with us on that. So if you imagine the 999 call centre, you call 999 in London, your call will probably be routed to London Ambulance Service in Waterloo. So there's a, there's a big call centre there. Um, we have one of the London's Air Ambulance paramedics who may have been flying on the helicopter the previous day, the next shift will be in that 999 call centre, and out of those five or 6,000 phone calls that come through on a daily basis, they will be sitting there searching for the five patients that we need to visit, so 0.1%. So they will be sitting there, there will be algorithms that will flag up certain um, certain missions, there will be phone calls coming in from other emergency services re- requiring our help. So we only go to um, we only go to people whom we can give added benefit to above and beyond you know normal normal land ambulance. So if you look at look at what we do, sort of things that we would automatically be dispatched to would be somebody falling from more than two heights, somebody's been ejected from a car. We go to everybody under a train. Uh, in London yeah. um, traumatic amputation above the wrists and ankles um, so they're very yeah, you know, they're life threatening definitely life-changing more often than not life-threatening uh, traumatic injury so we don't yeah. we won't go to people with a heart attack if you have a heart attack on the streets of London London ambulance service will be with you in a ridiculously short period of time so that's we can't add anything additional there. We'll go to the sort of instance where we can. It's the trauma, isn't it? It's,
0: yeah, it is. Right. Okay. Here, here's where we need urgent help. Yeah.
3: And there's, and there's, I'd say there's, you know, on average five instances of that uh, on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. But yeah. also, but also, we'll we'll also go to you know the major instance. So London, you know, as we know, sadly, you know, suffers uh, from being a, a target for terrorism. So 7/7, yeah. seven, seven, yeah. London Bridge, Westminster terror attacks. We were there. Um, the you know, some of the other major instances which aren't terroris- terror- terrorism-related, so Paddington train crash, Croydon train crash, yeah. uh, Sally Grenfell, yeah we will go to support other emergency service colleagues at uh, all of those major instances as well. Yeah, so, it, so, it, so it's the trauma element that's the big element. Yeah. Of
1: what, what story do you think, uh, from your time with the service, best describes sort of the work the service does and maybe specifically the the work you do for the service is
3: it's funny charla I, I i've been thinking about this question for quite a while because it, it's no one patient typifies what we do um you know we've got a patient story released today from christiana um which is on our website and there's a number on the web, website that we have And i don't i suppose i don't like to you know each each patient is sacred so i think it's it's not so much an individual story and it's certainly not glorifying the major instance that we attend as well, although yeah. they tend to stick in, they tend to stick in the public's eye. Um, but if you look at any of the number of people that we've been to, whether it's, you know, the, the poor lad who had the incident at the the Tate Modern, um, you know, with, with, there are any number of jobs where we've got the best possible doctors, the best possible paramedics in conjunction with the existing London emergency services. Um, to be there when people need them the most and i think the i can't i can't give a standard you know this is a typical one because actually what we train for is that every job is different um yeah you know, it could be the mechanism of injury could be slightly different um and at what point did you realize
0: the impact the air ambulance made for you personally Jonathan? What,
3: um what stage did
0: you think you know what this is such amazing work
3: I think I had the privilege to go on an observer shift in one of the cars, not in the helicopter, but in the car uh, over an evening. And I saw the clinical team in conjunction with other emergency services fighting viscerally to save someone's life. Um, and when you're standing there by the side of the road, you've got loved ones within eyesight. Yeah. You know, you've got passers by who've made the phone call. And he just realized that I think for me, it was the yes, they're doing everything they can for the patient involved, but the ripple effect of all the people that have been involved in that incident uh was really quite and I think we're only just starting to understand the impact on loved ones, work colleagues, you know, the the impact of some of this trauma on an individual's life is quite far reaching. Uh and it's, you know, one of our one of the the teams that work with patients beyond the the, the point of impact and actually sort of liaise with them through their through their journey yeah. is um, is actually the people who do really well the people with the, the families and loved ones support around them because it's you know when we go to them yes we provide a time critical intervention but we're only a very small part of that journey. Um, which then could be many weeks, months uh, uh, at the NHS, and then go on beyond that. And it's not just the physical injuries, it's obviously the, uh, the psychological damage as well. So, I suppose
0: one thing that springs to mind as well is the resilience your team must have. Yeah. But actually, quite a lot, you know, going to these major incidents where there's trauma involved, could yeah, be quite a tough job job at times so how Uh, do you protect yourself and how do you as an organization make sure that your teams are looked after
3: well there's um if you imagine so the doctors and the paramedics are are full, you know technically employees of the nhs and the you know the emergencies have got a lot of machinery in place to protect their staff um in terms of their well-being uh we sort of try to support that and add to that where we possibly can uh anecdotally i think i would say that having spoken to the clinical and operational team, some of their best preferences is actually talking to people who understand the job, so it's talking to their peers, so it's making sure we give them the safe environment, we give them the time, we give them the space um, uh, and respect to process what they need to process. And it might, not be, it might not be the biggest major incident that they need to process. It could be they've gone to a patient that particularly reminds them of their own child or their own parents, yeah, you, you're never quite sure how people, you know, how people yeah. react, and yeah. and I don't think there's any, there's not a normal reaction. Some people were quite comfortable in processing what would strike me as an awful lot of trauma, and other people might need some more support. So I think the important thing is to us, you know, is that we we listen and learn and just support what the folks need rather than what we think they need. Yeah, hundred percent. I get that.
0: Um, uh, and we've talked about replacing it helicopters and yes. the focus that you need to, to to do that what other challenges do you face in, as an organization at the minute what are the big things that you're facing that that people need to know about
3: um i think the thing that we've been really resilient is is just our ability to raise money from you know the 110,000 people who give us uh weekly money and and, that's, and how do that, they do that? Is that a, like a direct debit every month? Yeah, it's a, di- it's a direct debit. We have we have people who go out there and recruit. You know, you'll you'll see our colleagues um, and partners out recruiting people. Um, at you know, it's um, shopping centres, you know, down the local stages and Tesco's, uh, some of the railway stations, talking to people, recruiting people, and it's and we're cr- recruiting people. And the thing that surprises me, Chris, is that given we've got cost of living, it's been a it's been a hell of a couple of years, people still find the ability, we're still signing people up to support us at the rate that they were pre COVID. Um
0: I, I think there's a I mean, my experience is there's a bit of a line at the minute where if you're lucky enough if you're lucky enough to be in a situation where the cost of living is having a having an impact, but yeah. not as much. Which I think it does people are grateful that that actually they're they're in that position when they can give and they're probably they're probably
3: a bit more comfortable doing so I
0: think, but there is yeah. challenges out there. yeah
3: no absolutely so we so in terms of you know what challenges we're facing um I think we're facing the same as sort of pretty much any other challenges sort of costs yeah. costs are getting squeezed. it is increasingly better you know, there's lots of good challenges, lots of good causes. Um, we're competing. You know that the amount of people that give to charity hasn't significantly changed. In fact, I think it has actually decreased yeah. uh, over years. So we're we're increasingly chasing after that same very generous group of people. So I think the big, yeah, you know, the biggest challenge for me as chief exec is um, getting across to people that we're a charity. Because actually, as soon as people realise we're a charity, they're much much more. Uh, likely to give to us and um and uh, ridiculously generous when they do so i think for us the appeal with the helicopter is Mm -hmm. yes we need to raise x amount of money to buy two new helicopters get them operational but it's also an opportunity for us to engage with any different number of communities across london that we're there for them and actually we're only there because of them um Mm -hmm. yeah we we've always used the or we've historically used the expression you know we need your help we hope you never need ours and that Sort of quite neatly summed it up, but and again the the attract and again serendipity, Chris, in the way that we bumped into each other is uh, we're here by the because of the kindness of strangers. You know, most people who donate to us won't ever meet the person who's the end beneficiary of what they've given, but they're fundamentally, hopefully. Changed or saved someone's life by giving that money. And, but um,
0: this is this is the big thing for me, Jonathan. It's about gratitude, isn't it? It's yeah, being making sure that you that service, even if you never use it. Is yeah there to support us where and support anybody in London when when as as and when you might hoping that you that you never yeah. do but.
3: And that's and that's why we're all so proud. If you speak to the clinic, everyone's just so proud of being part of the service because of the impact it has, but because of how we're funded. Yeah. We're very proud yeah. that we're a charity. We're very proud that people believe in us in the way that they do all the all the other amateurs will say exactly the same yeah. that everybody who supports supports their local animals
0: quite a democratically owned organization Absolutely. for that it,
3: it does we just i mean we're, we're, we're there for anyone and i think when you look at when you look at trauma so if you look at trauma as a disease which is actually recognized as it's the biggest killer of people under 40 it has more it it causes more loss of life than heart disease and cancer combined so and most of not all but sort of 60 65 percent of what we go to is just someone getting up and having the worst day of their lives it's indiscriminate yeah. you know it's just things yeah, life and sometimes just happens me, it. uh so i think from that respect it's i think some people see this as an insurance policy so some donors will say actually i hope i never need your services but if i have if i do i'm glad you're there um, but yeah, no, is that that? I think that's the thing that sort of inspires. It certainly inspires me. Is that overwhelming uh, sense of generosity from people that we serve and people yeah, that we will never meet and will never meet? Yeah, the Long L- L- Charlotte,
0: yeah. you got additional questions? Yes.
1: Um, so, what are you excited about? For or what makes you excited about the future of the London?
3: air ambulance so what makes me excited is we, we are as much as we're working very hard to uh, pay for two new aircraft we're also starting to work out what our next 15 years looks like after strategy which takes us to the rather weird dates of 2039 which is meaningless for most people that will be 50 years of london's air ambulance so we're trying to be as ambitious as we possibly can, as to rather than just looking at what we're doing in the next two years, what we do the next three years. I'm a great believer that me and all of my colleagues at the ARMs are, uh, are there to be good ancestors. So we, yeah. what are people going to look like? It's leaving it's a legacy, them. isn't it? Absolutely. So what a legacy for your work? So yeah. what do we? What can we be doing in 15 years, which the rest of us need to put some basic founding blocks uh, yeah. now? So well, and principally, that's what clinical interventions can be done. So if you look at some of the advances that we've had before carrying blood, um, doing uh, open chest surgery, uh, reflating, reinflating lungs, so there's lots of world first it's constantly looking at what can we do more of by the side of the road and as technology advances, Mm -hmm. stuff become we can stuff gets smaller, gets more portable.
0: I'd imagine I'd imagine the challenge you've got is what we're going to be able to do with medical technology in 15 years hasn't been implemented or invented absolutely Absolutely.
3: uh but it's a case of you know things have changed already over the last few years so we've got electric bikes yeah sorry the electric scooters electric scooters weren't a thing five years ago we've never heard of them Uh, so that's changing the way that people use London yeah London did get pedestrianized quite a lot um which is great from reducing sort of road traffic collisions but not so great if you're trying to drive emergency vehicles across it. yeah so there, there's you know london will change um and so how do we adapt around it but the one thing that we know because we've done an awful lot of research there will still be a need for a helicopter to get people quickly, and equipment quickly to, to certain people with certain injuries um as quickly as, soon as possible we know that that won't change But actually everything that we're looking to do is how many interventions can we do by the side of the road, but also what can we do where we can just stabilize someone and almost press the pause button on the process of death. So someone who's got injuries that they have to be solved in hospital, which most of them do, but how can we stabilize them to the extent that we can keep them neurologically intact so then we can get them to where they need to be so it's constantly constantly pushing the boundary on that so we now we now carry ultrasounds because the technology's got smaller you know what there's a there's a procedure called agmo which is a, effectively a heart and lung uh bypass machine which keeps all the you know perfuses all the uh the major organs with with oxygen blood in the helicopter well them. yeah absolutely so it's how do we do that outside of hospital in the time frame to make it a useful intervention so there's yeah. lots of research going on into that so I think you'll see us doing a lot more you yeah, know a lot more research on top of what we've done before uh looking at embracing innovations in technology but for me it's actually as long as we continue to attract you know, the world-leading clinical brains and match their ambitions of what is possible. As every clinician I've ever met is driven by the patient they didn't help as much as they wanted to or could right. do, given whatever the constraints were. And I don't, you know, given the pe- these these people, I can't see that ever-ending. So it's just what they're constantly driven by, what could we do better next time? What can we do? How can tomorrow's patient be better than today's patient? How, how, do, uh, you,
0: how do you use so- a... How do you as an organisation keep in front of that innovation and make sure that you are on track? Is there a community of air ambulances that look at yeah.
3: that? How does it work? Yeah, so actually uh, last week was National Air Ambulance Week. So the, you know, we have an umbrella body, um, the Association of uh, Air Ambulances UK. Um, so we get together. It's a small world. Um, so a lot of the clinical teams have worked for any number of different area ambulances So they all they all know each other. They all talk to each other. I'm sure there's competitive pressures in there, but there's also an awful lot of collaboration as well. So I think. Well, the, I mean Cornwall—they're
0: cheeky, being two weeks earlier than New Jersey aren't they? Clearly,
3: I mean that's, that's well out of order. I know, but they but it's really it's, <laughs> it's really interesting if you look at someone like Cornwall. So Cornwall, you know, land on land on the beach. You know, they yeah. they do sort of you know stuff on the side of cliffs which are way beyond our, you know, stuff yeah. that we would ever look to do because that's just not the sort of people we go to. So it's really interesting. If you look at all the air ambulances, we all do things slightly differently because our patient cohorts are all... Well, it's interesting
0: because we, when we interview the guys at Yorkshire Air Ambulance, a lot of their stuff is very rural. Yeah. You know, very, you know, very like sort of somebody goes out walking and has an incident and, you know, can't move. It's And in London, you just wouldn't, but there'd be too many people around that could support no. you in terms of getting that
3: done. So I see say, I say the challenges being different. Yeah, and in London, you know, because we're, you know, if, if you look at our if you look at what we go to, 30% roughly is um, uh, road traffic collisions. Yeah. Around about 30% is uh, falling from heights or falling under stuff, whether intentionally or unintentionally. And about a third is penetrating trauma, which is shooting and stabbings. So, you know, it's it has been that way largely it hasn't really changed much over 35 years it's been pretty much that divide um so that's where our skill set is um uh, fundamentally different to other air ambulances absolutely who do other things exceptionally well that you know we we wouldn't yeah wouldn't wouldn't be within what our normal experience would be so no we all we all we all do swap notes uh, uh, quite consistently and also internationally as well as you say that yeah, there's a lot of international folks come over. Um, we had a a clinician over from Norway who spent two years with us. And because of the volume of what we saw, he calculated he saw 23 years worth of Norwegian trauma in the two years that he worked with us because of the sheer volume. So, you know, yeah, people get a lot of experience um, so fairly quickly in London over a certain time. For
0: somebody who loves London, I don't know what that says about London <laughs> or Norway. Um, no, I have to I have to think about that. Um, just give some, uh, just share with us, Jonathan. Number one, how can people support? Get in touch, find out a bit more about um, how how you, how they can help them, and where can they find out more about the work you do
3: um well the the website uh londonsairambulance.org.uk uh, and that's where the s becomes incredibly important because uh it's londonsairambulance.org.uk yep. yep. um we're on twitter we're on linkedin we're on you know all the social media you would expect um if you want to have a good glance at what we do actually emergency uh the tv program just came out on channel four um that actually showcases a number of patients journeys and um from speaking to a number of the clinicians it's it's the one of the best representations of the whole London trauma system, so it's ourselves, the hospitals that we serve, yeah. and the Hammer Service. So that's definitely worth looking at. Um, you know, all our contact details uh, are, are on our website, um, and we're more than happy to speak to anybody, um, in any way, shape, or form. There's you know, via the website, there's every opportunity to donate whether it's a regular or one off donation, um, or whether you just like us to come speak to people about what they do. So a lot of what we do is we speak in schools, we speak to a lot of community groups just explaining who we are and what we do so when they see that helicopter they get that rush of pride uh, and also they understand you know it's a rush of pride but also that sense of someone's having the worst possible day but the best possible team is going to uh, try and help them i love that all right thank you so much for
0: joining us today on the kindness project we really appreciate
3: no, it thank you thank you so much and thanks for the inspirational holiday reading it was great
0: so that was the last part of the interview with jonathan i think you'd agree. Um, uh London Air Ambulance do amazing stuff. (laughs) Because I know what Charlotte was doing. She was looking for her Uh joke of the week. (laughs) Yeah it is going, what's it gonna be?
1: I started a new job as a tailor last week. It's been so so (laughs) <laughs> I don't even try and get you anymore if I get Russ that's good enough you can pass laugh for
0: yeah, anything but um, myself 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 myself. Myself. Right, I'm going to give you one more chance to make me laugh pick one oh, about sausage oh. that
2: make him
1: laugh
2: <laughs> you've got these sausage related
0: jokes
1: my sausage dog joke go oh yeah then.
0: go on then it's in my list. I bet, is it about sausages being fed to Rises, dog?
1: Why did the cowboy get a wiener dog?
0: Don't know.
1: He wanted to get a long little doggy.
0: <laughs> I don't know, my friends. You're that so- is another episode <laughs> of the Kindness Project. Oh, Sophie's, Oh, Sophie's got a joke. Sophie's got a joke. This We might have to start a competition, Charlotte. We do Charlotte's joke of the week, Sophie's joke of the week, uh, and we we'll see how we get on.
1: What's the best thing about Switzerland? I don't know, but the flag's a big
0: plus. What's the best thing about Switzerland? I don't know, but, but the, the flag, flag is a big plus.
1: plus. Um, I like
0: that. Well done. Um, I and on that you note,
1: don't that... no, no, me...
0: <laughs> And on on that note, that's the end of another kindness project have a lovely uh, have a lovely week Bye-bye. and we'll see you on the podcast soon.
2: bye, bye.